Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi. John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 62 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are happening, to meet the people that make theater happen. If you are a theater professional, or if you know any, make sure that you or they sign up uh, with the code CCFREE on our website to claim a Curtain Call profile today, which, like I said, is free. So join today, start connecting Start collaborating, start creating with the theater industry. Go to CurtainCallOnline.com and sign up for a free profile. And now for this week's podcast. And I'm really excited about this podcast. It's been in the, uh, in the offing for, for a while now. And uh, basically, I'm in awe of what casting directors do. And I, I'm not just saying that because I, I love them when they get me in for an audition. Uh, but it's just the, the wealth of knowledge that they bring to the table and the creative process, which is extraordinary. Um, you know, they work with producers and directors. Uh, their suggestions can take a production in a completely um, different direction, offering up talent that may not have been considered before. And I have definitely been on the receiving end of that, being cast in something that I, I, I may not have been seen as right for, but... I was an alternative kind of suggestion, and I got the role, and it, it led to, to great things. And, um, you know, and, and casting directors, they fight for our corner as actors, and, and they, not just by hiring us or, 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 you know, that whole process, but as you will hear in this episode, protecting us from bad pay or working conditions and all of the rest of that. So listen, let's just face it. If it wasn't for casting directors, well, I, for one, definitely would not be here. So... I thought I would sit down with the Casting Directors Guild and find out just what it means to be a casting director. You know, what it means to have those three little letters, CDG, following your name. And, you know, the, the possible path one can take to become a casting director. And believe me, you might be surprised at the journeys of my two guests this week, Alistair Coomer and Jenny Schiller. Now, Alistair and Jenny both sit on the committee of the Casting Directors Guild, and they were absolutely brilliant guests um 
Uh, Alistair uh, is currently casting director at the Dahmer Warehouse and, you know, working on all the productions there. He's also a freelance um, casting director for the West End and regional theaters and uh, worked at the National Theater before that for a decade. And Jenny Schiller has been casting director for the RSC, uh, Chichester Festival Theater, the Rose Theater in Kingston, uh, as well as the English Turing Theater and many more. And she um, is the current casting director for the Ustinoff Theater, which is a brilliant theater in Bath. And we were also joined by Sophie Hallett from the Casting Directors Guild, who actually looks after the members there. Um, we talked for nearly an hour. So this, don't worry, this is an edited version of our chat, which I, I normally don't do, but there was just so much there. And, and there will be more to come from our conversation in a future episode, no doubt. But in the meantime, have a listen. If, uh, if we start, Sophie, with you um, telling me about the Casting Directors Guild and the role that it plays, not just with industry, but in its specific um, organization, specifically looking after the casting directors and, and who are the members of that specific guild. The CDG, it's got, it's got a really quite lovely story, actually, because um, if we were, our anniversary would be 20 years this November. And um, it, it, it was basically a group of senior casting directors of, from all different areas of our industry got together 20 years ago and said, we need an organisation and um, to look after us. We don't have anything. And um, about, I think about six or seven of them, I could give you all their names, but I know some of them, I better not just met. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and they, they got together and, and it came from there and it's grown and grown and grown. And um, I think it's, I think it's an amazing story that it just shows when you, the, the power of people mm. getting together and what, what they can create. Because now we are, you know, we are regularly asked for our opinion on things and which are, you know, within, in the press, you know, people want to hear what we think and, mm. um, you know, every, different areas of casting and so on. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty special, I think, that mm. they've, what they, what they, those group of people, what they managed to achieve. Yeah, and, and, the, and the, group, the group works to support the members and the membership. So by sharing that advice with the more experienced members and the younger members, it's a, a way of in, encouraging best practice yeah. between, um, uh, through all, with all casting directors. And also we support each other when things are go wrong, when uh, there are problems over payments or um, poor employers or difficulties that members might have. There's a support network in place. So. Um, it works very. It works in that way too, and I think you know we've all benefited from at different mm. points from the the support of the, all the other members in, within the guild. It's also great that we get to meet because one of the things that casting directors don't really do is meet each other because yeah. we tend to uh -huh. work in little pockets. Yeah, and so apart from bumping into people at the theatre, which one does obviously, um, it's a it's a good way of us actually seeing who everybody else is yeah. and yeah. cross uh, fertilisation across the genres as well as media because we tend to work in our own little media exactly yeah. yeah and it is because it is a, a, literally across all yes. media you know yeah. TV, film and commercials musical theatre shorts yeah musical theatre straight plays and, and how important is is the CDG label you know behind name after name because I mean the guilds are you see it with well, cinematographers or yeah. you know uh, any kind of uh, specific skill set that kind of somebody has 
worked their way up and, and kind of are now that respected thing that the CG is, you know, yeah, labels. We have quite some quite strong um, sort of rules about the amount of time that you've been practicing, and you have to be nominated by four other members to join the CDG. So it's it's not it's not an easy group to join, and that mark is really a, a, it's a mark for us, but it's also a mark to the industry at large of excellence. I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does mean something. I mean, we are still the the only craft um, single line credit on film that isn't recognised at the Oscars or the BAFTAs, which we are pushing really hard for. Um, we're not recognised at the Olivier's, um, again, on, as a sort of single line main creative role. Yes, casting is a slightly newer craft in a formal sense. Um, so it's we do use the CDG label very much as a as a way of promoting um, what casting directors do within the process, and um, uh, it's it's hidden for a good reason, which is you're not supposed to talk about the casting when you when you yeah. see a thing. But as we know, we do just as much work, if not more, at times as uh, than all of the the principal creatives on a show or on a film. Mm. You know, in 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 that regards, if we can kind of move it on from CG to, to kind of personally, like how um, how you kind of approach, uh, Alistair, how you approach different projects, you know, what, do you get the script, does it come straight in and, and, um, and then you make the suggestions? And it depends on the, it depends on the project. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of Shakespeare, so I started at the RSC, so I've done it uh, most of Shakespeare's plays over the years and some of them several times. So. With that, I obviously have pretty clear views about what I think about quite a lot of those parts and plays, but it's very much up to the director what their take would be, and obviously sometimes the director will have a very clear take on a play and what they are looking for. So uh, so there's that version of it, and then you get a brand new script, which perhaps you don't even understand very well, and you need the director's help to uh, explain what they're looking for, what you know the balance is on any particular... Um, uh, production um, I will usually go away and then produce quite long lists um, very wide ranging kind of brainstorming kind of lists uh, not leaving anybody out including sometimes you know people who I know aren't going to be right or aren't going to be free um, but because saying one name can sometimes lead you to think about something else so I, I tend to be very broad in my initial search or thoughts and then you meet with the director and you go through and you say well this person is the right kind of person for this reason and that might lead you on to think about somebody else or those people aren't quite right for another reason whether it's because they're sometimes very basic things like that they're too old or they're too young or they're too whatever Um, but then you narrow your thoughts and then of course they're practically narrowed by who is available who is willing um and what's the right casting? I mean, mm-hmm. right, the right casting is quite a—it's quite a big subject of itself at the moment, especially within the the diversity debate. And that's probably a slightly—we might move on to that, but yeah. not quite yet. But that's sort of sort of how I work. Yeah, and just can I, the, so the, you know the right casting because you you must have in mind because uh, you've been you've, you've done enough casting we know who works well with other people. So are you thinking about that as? like putting together a team almost from the beginning? I mean, obviously you work with a director. That's hard to think about putting a, putting together a team at the beginning when you have yeah. a blank piece of paper, as it were, because you okay. need to get one person fixed. I mean, you can say actor A would work brilliantly with actor B, but mm. if actor A isn't free, then that's sort of not relevant. 
And sometimes you just need, especially in those plays where you've got very strong partnerships. I don't know who's Freddie Virginia Springs to mind as a George and Martha. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're always going to want to get a pair of actors there who work very well together. Um, but sometimes you still have to get one person fixed before you can. So you, you shove out two offers of people that would work well together. But if one of them says no, and the other says yes, then you're going to match them to the person who said mm-hmm. yes. But you need a fixed point. Yeah. So that makes sense. You, you can't. I I don't think. Or I think it's very hard to say. Yeah. You're putting together, or start with the idea of putting together yeah. a team because it's such a sort of you're nailing jelly to a wall to start with. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a slightly different approach actually, which is I I, mean, I think a casting director, where I do agree with Ginny, is that casting director is a resource for the director. The question is, you know, who casts the show? Well, it's really the director who casts the show, and it's the casting director who facilitates that process mm. and supports with, with knowledge. Um, I, I mean, I'm in a slightly different position mostly. Um, when I'm not doing freelance stuff, we, no, I'm in-house at a theatre company, yeah. so I'm um, very, very involved in the programming of the theatre. I mean, 50%, 60% of my job is programming, and a lot of the programming at the Dom revolves around casting. But I do think very hard about... I mean, one of our... The, you have to be quite a chameleon as a casting director because you have to work with different directors, and they have a very different approach to casting, to directing actors, and it's sort of our job, I think, to learn the taste of that director very quickly if you haven't worked with them already, and if you have worked with them before, to understand what sort of actor they will enjoy, what type of company it would need to feel like, and um, I think, uh, you know, I think about Arturo Ui, which I did at the beginning of the year, I, I had thought very strongly about what that company should feel like as in terms of style of actor, because it was quite a sort of hyper-real, very large-scale sort of style. So I thought a lot about the skills of those actors. So I think, um, particularly on an ensemble piece, I might start thinking about what will this show feel like in terms of the actors, um, and will they all get on with that director? I think that's absolutely... I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that the style of the production will inform who goes on the list. Yeah. But I just mean in terms of, you know, will uh, will the actors get on? That can be a hard thing to predict yeah. too early in the in the process. Uh, I, I'd love to know, we always ask origin stories for people as well. How how did you get into casting and, and, uh, and, and so as well, how did you get involved? Like what, the, the backgrounds are always fascinating because people come to... Um, people come to acting from different ways. People come into stage management. And, and, and so how... I mean, I spoke about Jess earlier. I was on stage with Jess in our first show, um, Elvis the Musical. And, and then, you know, I discovered later she's now casting. You know, she's casting. And it's, it was interesting to hear her, her journey, which was very circuitous. And now you're part of that journey, of her journey. So how did, how did you get into your, into your industry? Uh, I, I, when I was at university, I always thought I might quite want to be an actor. And luckily realised that I wasn't terribly good at it. So, but I knew I wanted to come into the industry somehow creatively. I was never going to be a director. So I spent quite a long time sort of wittering about. And then I um, got a job with Jill Freud working at Southworld, doing everything from making the beds and doing the marketing and running the bar and doing a bit of casting. Um, I then sideways got a job for Comic Relief doing Red Nose Day 20 years ago for six months. I was assistant to Kevin Carhill, and through that did a bit of what they call celebrity liaison. So I got to know some of the uh, agents, 
um, through that. And then my old friend, uh, may she rest in peace, um, Carrie Hilton, who I was actually at university with, she was leaving the RSC, as was Kate Bryden at that point. Um, Kate's now gone off to be a very posh agent. And so Maggie Lunn, may she mm -hmm. rest in peace also, uh, was looking for um, some new people. And Carrie introduced me to Maggie. And so I joined the RSC as a casting secretary, the lowest of the low, because I'd also I always had a huge interest in Shakespeare, and I did not didn't know at, um, at university and all of that. And so that was how I got into it. And and it was sort of the perfect marriage for me of uh, a certain amount of sort of academic stuff, the the the, un, the Shakespeare understanding stuff, which I loved. Um, quite good at the admin, so that played to that. But it also allows for some creativity. Uh, and thinking outside the box and, and people skills and all of that. So, so I stayed at the RSC for nearly five years and then went pretty much. Yeah. Uh, what was your journey like? Um, I did a lot of acting at school and I was the MC in cabaret in my final year at school. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was, I was. I think it'd be brilliant. I was so good. <laughs> I realised that it would never get any better than that. <laughs> so I, I, I started directing stuff at university and I, and I went to Lambda and did the director's course there um, and um, tried to get bits of work in um, as an as a assistant director and was sort of embarking on that career and really after five years of university and drama school like so many people I just had no money left so I was temping, I was working for a property developer in Paddington and being quite miserable and um, a friend, uh, their agent was going on maternity leave, and uh, so I went for that job, didn't get it, but then I thought, well, I'll try and get into an agency, and I worked for Rossmore for three years, and then the job came up as casting assistant at the National Theatre, again, the lowest job in that department, and was really lucky um, to be hired by Serena Hill there, um, and then I worked with Toby Whale and then with um, Wendy Spawn, so mm. three brilliant casting directors who all taught me a huge amount. Um, so I was very fortunate in that I ended up in a very in a brilliant place, brilliant department, a brilliant brilliant training, um, and owe everything to them really. Um, but I did uh, um, I was the assistant at the national and then the deputy head of casting, um, and then Wendy was on sabbatical, so I did I was head of department for a little while. And um, in that time, I worked with Josie Rourke a lot, um, uh, both at the National and uh, Show for the West End. And she asked me to come to the Donmar when she started running mm. the Donmar. So uh, that, that was 10 years at the National and then five years now at the Donmar. So that's my. You still drink. look about 12 years old. Thank you <laughs> very much. <laughs> Sophie, the. I mean, listening to these two stories, they're two completely different stories. I mean, mm. do you find a lot of your members at CG kind of have that that story of they've come in from maybe a different angle? They haven't said, mm. I'm going to be a casting director. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone say, I'm going to be a casting director. I think most, all the stories I've ever heard, and I've sat and listened, I love <laughs> it's hearing. Ha it's just beginning stories. to happen yeah. now, where yeah. I'm getting letters yeah, from people yeah, who were yeah, coming out of university yeah. saying, I want to be in I casting, want to be in casting. Yeah. how do we do it? I'm, it's I'm, only I'm getting <coughs> endless emails yeah. now. Oh, yeah, really? I've, <laughs> I've noticed a change in the last five years. 
of people writing to me saying, I want to be a casting director, can you help me get into casting? Yeah. I mean, what would your advice be to those people? Because, because your experience It's on the website. So there is a resource on the website and they should look it up. <laughs> John yeah. That's a very good, a very good answer. It is, but it is very useful. But, and, yeah. and my biggest piece of advice is work with good people. You know, totally. If you're interested in casting, make make a note who's casting what. Yeah, I it's, always say that. Yeah. The, the, you know, British TV the, the, has so many casting directors. Just watch a good piece of Sunday night television. Make a note of who casts yeah. it, and just make sure that you know who those people are. Because, yeah. Um, and they're the people you should write to. Yeah, I always say that. And that it's it's also really useful when you... It's just so basic, really. When you write to someone, say, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. your piece or the casting that you did in... Blah, and it just... I yeah. think it, it shows that you've... You're like, you know, you're making making note of things. It's, and sure. it, it's an area of expertise. I, I genuinely didn't believe I was a casting director probably about 12 years into my career. I mean, until I got <laughs> Because it's, it takes a long time, really, to get the confidence of your knowledge, I think, and to think, I do know most actors. I do have a good, strong taste. Yeah. It, and I never quite believed... <laughs> Although I may have been this person at one point, the young, pushy, young person who says, I am a casting director, because it's impossible to have that amount of knowledge, that depth of knowledge, um, instantly. So go and work with really good people. Mm. But remember that you, you know, the casting director is the expert in the room on acting. Mm. So, you know, I, am, I think I'm good at it, because where most 15-year-old boys were interested in football or cricket, I was interested in actors at the RSC. Yeah. And I saw, I went to school an hour away from the RSC, and I saw every production there over yeah. a five-year period. So I just became a kind of geek about actors. And that's, that's where that knowledge sits. And, and mm. so, you know, if you, you're serious about being a casting director, learn who people are, make notes, see everything totally. on screen, on mm. stage. Yeah. And, and then you've got that knowledge. But it's the only way you can... But also, when, you, when you're asked who are your favourite actors, it's not about picking famous ones. I mean, by all means, yes, of course, you should have a couple of famous actors, you know, that yeah, you really mind. admire. You but it would be much more helpful if, you, you know, if you're coming to see me and I, I say, you know, who, who do you admire? If you pick somebody who is not yet at the peak, you know, number yeah. one on IMDb list of famous people... Yeah. But somebody who's on the up that you've spotted that you think really has something interesting. Because that then proves to us that you're actually, you know... Taking just note. Taking note, not just watching yeah. EastEnders or And then the, films. the quality of your work will show in the, in the middle of the company. You know, the, it's mm. not just about the leads in that show. Certainly, Janine can speak more about, about the leads, because the producers will do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's about the quality of, of actors throughout the company, and um, that's where you... That's where the the knowledge that you have as a casting director is just in, invaluable, really. But that's what I think also directors and other casting directors and agents look at um, when they're thinking about you know which casting director to approach for a particular thing. Um, I mean, I, I I'm always rather touched when I get an email from another casting director who's just seen a show of mine who says terrific cast, mm-hmm. and it's usually about a bigger cast. Also, you know, it's the middle. It's not just about you know. Isn't it amazing? You got that A-lister. Yeah. Um, it's about oh, find yeah. everybody so else. Yeah. I, I always get that's where I get casting envy is when I go. I had never thought about her for that part, and it's so <laughs> brilliant. It's yeah. such a clever idea. Uh, casting envy. Yeah. I like. Uh, I've never heard that before. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask you one more question? And it's about the other side of like for actors and how they approach casting directors because it's, a, good it's a really, really useful. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, 
hold casting directors in absolute high regard. And I, I always thank, I always send a postcard. If I'm on something, I would send a postcard to the casting director saying, thank you so much, here I am. And um, I think it's really important that the, the relationship is maintained between performer and casting director. Um, I always look up the casting director's previous work as well before I go and meet them because I think it informs something. But is there... Is there anything, just a, a final kind of piece of advice you could possibly give to that performer who's going, who may be nervous about meeting someone who's cast RSC for years and is, is doing a, a plethora of shows and, and who runs the casting at a, at a theatre, at an established theatre? Is there, is there a piece of advice? There are a few things. There are a few little things I would say. One is, if you're, if, you're, if you're in the room, if we've invited you in, then you are potentially the answer to our problem. We are on your side. We want you to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, of course, it, you you will be nervous, but that you know we are trying to make things uh, easier for you and for you to do well. That's the most important thing to remember in terms of keeping in touch with people. Yes, keep in touch, but write when there's something to say. Mm-hmm. Don't become a stalker. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, don't don't. I don't think there is any point in. I'm afraid. I, I get so many emails saying, yeah. "Hello, you don't know me, but I'm an actor. Please think of me when you're next casting." I don't. That's not the way I work. I tend okay. to work from actors that I know or that I have some experience. I don't mean only actors I've ever yeah. met, because obviously we're trying to find new people all the time. But people that I have some experience of, that I have seen them in something, on the screen, on the stage, whatever it might be, uh, or. There may be something about their CVs which particularly appeals for whatever reason. Yeah. But getting somebody in just from a speculative email like that happens very rarely. Very rare. Very rarely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're not... The other thing to remember is, you know, yes, we've been doing this a long time. Um, but we're just as nervous as of getting it right and not, you know, we want the people to come in to be right mm-hmm. and not look a fool in front of our director. Um, and we're very approachable, most of us, you know. I don't... I yeah, don't. completely. We want to look good. <coughs> it's actors yeah. like casting directors. <laughs> exactly, <good>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need you to be good. My, my, my advice is what you were saying, actually, which um, John, which is about preparation. And um, yeah. if you're worried about nerves... Um, and if you want to give yourself a, an advantage in a competitive field, it, you know, the, it, to know the material well, to know the context of the production, to know a bit about the director and a bit about um, what, maybe the casting director as well, is you know vital. And we'll get, we'll you'll have a bit of security and it will help with the nerves if you think no, I do, I'm prepared for this. It's hard because as much as, as we really do try, and I know there's a huge there's quite a, a big conversation at the moment around the amount of time actors are given to prepare. Um, but we try, certainly in the theatre, to get, because often you have to read the whole play and that mm-hmm. takes time. We try very hard to give you as much notice as possible. But, you know, we're all working with terribly busy directors. Who some, you know, recently I had a director who flew in from Canada for one Sunday's work and then out again at very short notice. And that's the only, that's the only time you've got to meet. So... When those scripts and, and pages come in, you know you've got to, you do have to spend a bit of time getting prepared on them, and it's the ones who are who get the jobs. So you know, it, I would happen. absolutely. I mean, the, my big thing is always read the play. You yeah. won't necessarily get the option on a film or a telly because they won't send you the play. Yeah. But for a theatre job, it's so important to read mm-hmm. the whole play. Mm-hmm. And just on the preparation time, 
of course we want to give you as much time as we can to prepare. I would love to set up every audition session with two weeks' notice. Mm. It doesn't happen that way because the directors don't necessarily tell you. Uh, or be, you know, but there are huge numbers of reasons why things happen at the last minute. But one of the pleas <coughs> that I would make to the acting fraternity is please understand that one sometimes the reasons that you're called in at the last minute is because somebody else who has had the script for a week or ten days tells you they don't want to come in 24 with 24 hours notice, yeah. Yeah. and it's such a waste of everybody's time because it's a waste of the director's time. I need to fill that slot because I've got the director only for that thing. Yeah. I need yeah. them to be uh, to have a full session. And it puts somebody else at such a disadvantage yeah. because they haven't had the time to prepare. Yeah. So please, actors, if you're not going to come in for a job, please give us as much notice as you possibly yeah. can. Yeah. Ginny can be more right about that. And, and yeah. again, to talk about a hot topic, um, often we're not able to tell you you haven't got the job yet because we're still waiting on an offer to be accepted. And remember that there are some actors who can take I'm currently sitting on an offer that's now six weeks old wow. for that to be decided, and there are people waiting to hear that decision. So wow. there, there are many reasons why we can't come back to you yet. Yeah, and from I'd love to say as well that I think it's really important that the thing that I've been found most uh, pleas- I've been most pleasantly surprised about is that all our members love actors. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of actors think that casting directors are against them, but actually... They're mostly people that don't want to be heard and shout out, but actually they are really great people, supporting actors, fighting for their cause, and they don't advertise what they've done. But if, if only the actors could hear casting directors when they get together and how wonderfully supportive they are yeah. about actors. I think it's been... I, I love that. I love our, that. our job is to be an advocate often for actors in yeah. the process. Yeah. Um, and whether that's as simple as an actor who I know is not a strong auditioner, yeah. who needs three or four weeks rehearsal, who needs a discussion with the directors to get to a fantastic performance. And I will, you know... You got to know when, but I'm very happy to put, stick my foot in, and 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 fight for a, an actor within that process. And it can be more global, so it can be about protecting actors' rights within, you know, contracting or salary or, um, you know, all sorts of areas. And actually, um, casting directors are often the best advocates for that. One more thing I would just say is remember that if you didn't get a part, yeah. it's not necessarily that uh, uh, you screwed up or anything like that. I remember doing some recalls on a job a while ago when the actors were recalled with somebody who was already cast. And at the end of the session, she was going, but they're all so good. And it was the first time I think she'd been involved in a discussion with a casting director and a director about the relative merits of half a dozen people uh, who could all have played the part. It was more a question of which was the best one to play the part, the most right one, yeah. not only sort of empirically, if there is such a thing, but also opposite her. Yeah. So we don't try and get in six actors and only one of them is going to be any good. We try and get in six actors who will be able to play it and give the director the best possible choice. And then we'll fight for our, whatever our instinct might be, um, you know, but if you don't get the job, it's not because you can't do it or because somebody was even necessarily a better actor than you. Yeah. They were just the right, the, mo- the more right in that particular production at that particular time. Brilliant. Often. Guys, thank you so much. We have taken so much of your time. That was so good. Thank, thank you, you, John. Oh, oh, oh. Totally pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant.
Jenny Schiller, Alistair Coomer, and Sophie Hallett there from the Casting Directors Guild. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, like I say, if you are a theater professional and want to join the network built by theater professionals for theater professionals, uh, and it is a network that is growing every day, then head on over to CurtainCallOnline.com and sign up for free. Uh, using the code CCFREE, you will get a Curtain Call Pro profile uh, on our website. Just go to www.curtaincallonline.com, sign up. And if you're at uh, the Plaza event, uh, which is the event for um, uh, theater technicians and, and theater organizations and drama schools, uh, that's going to be at the Olympia here in London on the um, 17th, 18th, and 19th of September, uh, we're at Stall U2 you too so um come and see us uh we'll be there matt and i will be there and you can meet some other members of the team so uh hopefully we'll see some of you there you can also follow us on all the socials twitter instagram and facebook at curtain call and i would love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or uh feedback for the podcast get in touch with us uh via any of the social media platforms i just mentioned or write to me at john at curtaincallonline.com and if you could do this i don't often ask but i'll ask this week if you could go to itunes and rate and review us it really does help us get suggested to other people who might not know we're around but love theater podcasts uh it really does help us get the word out there now it just leaves me to say a huge thank you to jenny schiller alistair coomer and sophie hallett for their time and also for alistair and everyone at the donmore warehouse for letting us use their building to record this episode uh, visit the CDG website for information on their members um, and how you might, uh, I don't know, find yourself becoming a casting director. It's quite easy. It's www.thecdg.co.uk. And there's a, a lot of information on their website. So head on over there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast. And I will catch you all next week. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.